homeschooling, like lets you breathe as the homeschooling parent and to fall back in love with your children, fall back in love with homeschooling. And as I'm watching us work, you kind of start to observe all the natural learning that's happening, all the conversations, all the questions. You know, you happen stance like, across other learning just because you're spending time together, the math that naturally happens, the writing that naturally happens. And then by observing that, you start to be maybe more clued in to what's really going on that you don't have to actually guide or direct. It's just, it's kind of naturally happening. And it's kind of more of an organic learning that hopefully will come out of de-schooling that will lend you to being more peaceful and your kids to feeling more uh, like they have intrinsic motivation because that's really what we want. We want our kids to have autonomy, be intrinsically motivated to teach themselves. That's Kelly Edwards, entrepreneur, licensed foster parent, creator of the 90-minute school day, and homeschool mom to three. Seven years ago, when Kelly first began to homeschool, she tried to bring school home, and the box curriculum was the teacher. She soon realized this was not going to work. Through her real-life failures, connections with other families in similar straits, and the guidance of some amazing mentors, Kelly redefined what she wanted homeschool to be like for her family. This is where the 90-minute school day was born. Through this lifestyle approach to education, Kelly's method connects children with learning in their natural environment, at home, with their family. This method guides the homeschooling parent with a framework and system that will spark imagination, ignite wonder, and inspire your whole family to adventure. So grab a seat by the fire as we travel to the mountains of West Virginia and discuss how to detox and launch our new diet of learning naturally in our homeschools. But before we begin, just a few reminders. For any new homeschooling families, remember to grab your free homeschool getting started packet and please email us with any questions that you have to go along with it. And with the season of fall in full swing, now is the time to embrace the camping season. So be sure to download our free ultimate family camping outdoor checklist. We put this together in hopes to help other families wanting to get out and camp more often and with less stress. <laughs> Both packets are now available on our website's homepage to download as well as right here in the show notes. And now back to the campfire. All right, so hello, Kelly, and welcome to the Homeschool Project podcast. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? Great. The weather's feeling very fallish over here. I don't know about you guys. Yes, I am excited. I'm pumped that Harvest Moon got me in the mood, and I'm ready for a little bit of a cooler season. <laughs> me too. You know, we didn't have that hard of a summer, which is why Nathan's kind of sad that like fall is knocking on the door already. But I am all about like coziness and slowing down because we don't slow down in summer. It is just like we've like he, Nathan always says we burn bright all day long. And I'm like, I know. And I'm like dying by the end of the day. So I'm ready for like, yeah, just slow down. And when we get our, our shorter daylight periods, I'm totally okay with it because mm-hmm. that just means that everybody has to like come in earlier during the evening and settle down. You sleep more. We sleep more. I don't know about yes. else, but we sleep more. It's good start so early. You're like, Oh my gosh, it's only eight o'clock. I got to go to bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dark for like three and a half hours but it's good for us I think we all need it like we need that push you know yeah yeah mother-in-law was just giving me the talk the talk because she's visiting like I told you and she was like how many hours of sleep do you get I'm like six she goes yeah you don't get enough I was like I know but it's working doing what I can yes all right so let's start off with an introduction of you your family um, how many years you've been homeschooling and what it is you do Okay. Um, my name is Kelly Edwards and I am married and living in West Virginia. We're about 60 miles Northwest of Washington, DC. So up here in the mountains and we have three children, uh, all girls, 13, seven, and three, and all of them have come to us through foster adoption. And, um, I have been homeschooling now that we are in our seventh year of homeschooling. Wonderful. And your platform is the 90 minute school day, which is a lifestyle approach to education. So the 90 minute school day is all about bridging the gap from traditional schooling into homeschooling and just really reconnecting children with learning naturally at home with their family. Wonderful, which we'll definitely dive into that more near the end of the conversation because it's part of why we had you on. Oh, 
I'm so, so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Yes. I know I've, we've chatted on Instagram and I know that I've watched several of, or not watched, listened <laughs> to some of your recordings on clubhouse. And I've just really enjoyed everything that you do. And I just feel that your outlook on education is very similar to ours. And so it's always nice to come across like-minded people and I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you better. So why don't we start with why you guys decided to homeschool? Okay. Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're foster adoptive parents and my oldest came to us when she was six. So she was already in kindergarten and she was actually excelling in the traditional school system academically, but she was very far behind emotionally and the school system was just, wasn't able to meet her needs. And so once we knew we were adopting her, we just started exploring our options with alternative methods of education and homeschooling just kept coming up as like, and it, you know what, you know, when you see truth or you, or you hear about it, or you read about it, it just resonates with you in kind of like a powerful way and you have peace. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, we're going to do this thing never sent out to homeschool, but it's what she needed. And so we set out to just homeschool for a year and it was just to build attachment and connection with our daughter um, as we kind of started that family life with her um, since reunification wasn't an option. And then it just kind of got going from there and it's just become this beautiful lifestyle that now we're homeschooling all of our kids and I have a business doing it. (laughs) And it just stuck. (laughs) It did, but we did it all wrong. Like she, I, you know, bless her heart. I, I apologize to her a lot about how we started out homeschooling. I just didn't know any better. And that's why I'm so excited about this topic because had I known how to de-school when I first brought her home, what a difference that would have made. Uh, but again, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. You learn from your failures. And out of that came um, the 90 minute school day to just help families because we were not doing school in 90 minutes. We're like sitting down and hashing it out for like six hours a day because I thought that's what she needed to do because that's what the schools do. So mm-hmm. I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it's okay. We'll circle back to that. But no, I agree. When I started homeschooling, I was the same way, but I always say that I wouldn't take that back because I almost feel like I had to experience that Mm -hmm. to know that it wasn't going to work. Like (laughs) if I never experienced it, then maybe I wouldn't be sold on it. You know, like, no, maybe that way is, is better the traditional way. But since I tried it and it was terrible, now I know that, yeah, that doesn't work. And I'm, I'm more... (laughs) you know, solid in my decision of doing it a different way. So I I definitely feel like it's, it's part of the past that I think is a good thing for, for those that may like start and be like, they might have to test those waters at first. (laughs) Yes. It's kind of like the natural, the natural evolution of the parent or the natural development, you know, how kids have developmental stages, like homeschooling parents, you have to do school at home first because you're insecure and you're like, what am I doing? But what we're trying, you and I are trying to do with this whole episode is like shorten that period. Yes. So you're not there for a couple of years. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't hang out there too there. long. No. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So I know that, like we said, when we started homeschooling, there was this shift in mindset that had to, that needed to occur in order for your days to go smoother. Right. Which is why we invited you on. So I'd first like to hear what you think are some of the common misconceptions that we have of what education air quotes should look like. And then why do you think that is like, why, why have we come to that? Um, this is such a good question. So I, I could go on, we could do the whole podcast just on this, but I'll just give you kind of like three things that are on the top of my head. Um, the first thing being, you know, we just don't know any, I shouldn't say it like that, but we just don't know any difference as I'm traditionally educated. I'm going to assume, but when you assume you're wrong, I'm going to assume that you were also traditionally I was, yes. <laughs> And most parents were because the homeschooling movement really didn't kick off until like the eighties. And mm-hmm. so um, it was very small to begin with. You just don't know what you don't know. And if it's foreign to you, it's not something that you're going to just start without some other kind of impetus. Um, so you kind of do what you understand and, and how you learned. 
uh, the other thing I think about kind of misconceptions is people kind of have that stereotype like, <laughs> in their mind of what a homeschooler is. Mm-hmm. And that may have been true in the 80s and 90s, um, but stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Like maybe that was like the norm in the 80s and 90s. It's not the norm now. Like you would not recognize a homeschooler on the street. You just look like a normal family. They are a normal family. Um, and then I think like the other ones are, we kind of think of school as um, the institution that has specialized and they're cornering the market. Market. So they are um, have gone to years of education on this. They're qualified. Uh, they're the experts. And so we better just do the right thing and give our children over to the experts. Mm-hmm. But what we're forgetting is that we are also the expert or we're also the specialist as the parent. And um, the other thing that everyone always brings up is socialization. And then you can kind of think about like, yes, kids are socialized. They're socialized through homeschooling and they're socialized through public schooling, but that doesn't like really render the outcome. So much of it is personality driven. And then the environment that you decide to put that child in. So yes, if I locked my children up and myself and never went outside my house, they might be odd. <laughs> Most homeschoolers don't do that. In fact, they homeschoolers joke around saying like, oh, we homeschool, but we're almost never home. So when you homeschool, you have the freedom to choose how your children are going to be socialized. Whereas you don't have that flexibility in the public school system where your children are put in a room with 30 of their peers. You're never in that type of environment for the rest of your life where you're just sitting in an office with 30 people exactly the same age and mm-hmm. grade level as you. And then you're also like, you have to raise your hand to go to the bathroom. You, you have to, you're only allowed a certain amount of time outside. And this is the institution that we're talking and they have to do it that way because they're managing a large group of children. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the only way. So those are kind of, I think the myth people kind of have in their head when they think about homeschooling. And I can, I can debunk all of them. I know you can't. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's so true. When you're talking about with the socialization, we actually just uh, interviewed somebody, which the interview is going to come out after we aired this show. She was speaking on the public school system. Like we had her on because she's trying to make awareness of the faults of the public school system, but she still has a heart for it, which I love. Like she wants to fight for it, Mm -hmm. but she wants to also show these are the things that need to get fixed. And at the end, she, she had questions for us. So she like turned the tables around with homeschooling because you could tell that she just wasn't very familiar with homeschooling, which again, as a reminder, like you forget when you immerse yourself in this world that that still exists. Like there really just is this big unawareness of home education. And one of the things she brought up was socialization and she goes, how do you socialize? And Nathan goes, wait, before Anita answers this, he goes, do you think, would you consider the kids that you taught, is that what, how you would want your kids to be socialized? And she, she literally sat there for like a couple second, hard seconds as it, you know, like she was being asked this for the first time. And she goes, no, no, I wouldn't consider that like healthy socialization or what I would really want. You know, bullying is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. You've got so much the schools are dealing with and homeschooling isn't the answer for everybody. Right. Right. But you know, there are a lot of public school teachers that homeschool their kids. And I'm finding more and more of them in recent times with just the difficulties that the school systems are under in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have all the respect in the world for teachers, administrators, principals, people who work in the school system. It's, it is a necessary and valuable part of society, mm-hmm. but if it's not working for your kid, then you don't have to keep them enrolled. Right. <laughs> That's yes. what we're here to talk about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the other things that came to my mind were that I, I remember when I first came out, like the misconceptions of, again, what education should look like was it has to be structured, that you have to follow a certain curriculum, that it has to be within four walls. Like you need yeah. to be contained or in the same area or at a table and chairs, you know, like <laughs> so many things that you just realize, which will lead us into the next thing that it's like, no, this is not how it has to be. But it's like you said, it's because it's all we've ever known, right? but it doesn't mean that it's right, which is why I do love this topic because I don't know about you, but when you stepped into this world, I mean, it's just so eye-opening, like, wow, like that really isn't the way that we have to learn. Like, that's not the only way kids can learn Mm -hmm. is, is that environment there. It was just so eye-opening to me to see it. So how do you think we can change this mindset of what learning is? 
right here, right now, like having these podcasts, having these conversations, you know, having platforms to where we are getting the word out. Homeschooling is like on the rise throughout this pandemic, 2020, 2021. It's just keep, it keeps growing in bounds. And I think it's just almost like a grassroots movement because you're so frustrated with perhaps how your child is handling whatever is going on with your local school district and how they're administering school or, or whatnot. So to me, it's like, it's education, it's education and awareness to the public at large that there are other um, ways to do school. And that goes into just not only homeschooling versus public schooling, but like charter schoolings, micro schools, um, democratic schools. These are all kind of new concepts that your, your average person, if they haven't been looking for a solution for their child, may not have even heard of. And homeschooling, ironically, is what you can do any of those types of schooling because you're the one that's in charge and you know what your child needs. If your child is neurodivergent, which so many children are these days, and that's like your anxiety, ADHD, trauma, autism, like any kind of sensory processing disorder, the list goes on. That child is neurodivergent. And so their brain is actually mapped differently than your typical student. Mm -hmm. And they're not served well at a desk in a room where they can't move around. And then, you know, some kids that aren't neurodivergent are just kinesthetic learners. Well, you can't put a kinesthetic learner at a desk. And guess what? I think all kids are kinesthetic. Learners. I think so too. <laughs> and there's so much research behind play and how that's the language of children. That's how they play. That's how they learn. It's through movement. So um, homeschooling obviously will lend itself to movement more so than a classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say the same thing. Like if I thought about what helped me destroy that misconception and all the myths of education it was through educating myself and listening constantly listening to other parents and educators speak about it and in different like you said and in different styles I think it's great to hear about all the styles because there's always something that you can take that different style or method and be like man I never you know thought of it to do it that way and then especially because each of your children are very different and how they learn. Right. So you might have, like, I have a child that is very type A personality. And so she kind of likes those structured days and checking like, off give the me a checklist. Yes, she does. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to get away from it, but she asked for it. So I have to, you know, feed that, which is not going <laughs> to really follow maybe what I really wanted to see. Then I've got the other kid that has to be moving all the time. He's the kinesthetic learner and he cannot sit still. And it's amazing what he retains if he can do something with his hands or if he can like walk around the room and, you know, so. It is, I have one of those and I'm just like, sometimes I just have to tell her, I'm like, I need you to sit still just for a few minutes because I'm getting overstimulated. Like she's fine. I know she's listening and learning, but I'm like, like, I can't, I can't think anymore. Like you just need to give me a moment, please. That sounds like me. (laughs) Are you not feeling overwhelmed like I am? (laughs) He's like, no. Do not jump as high. So yeah, that brings us to what exactly is de-schooling? Because obviously this is the key to all of this. So before you explain, I want to to share a quote of something of how you described de-schooling. And I loved it. It must have been on one of your posts, but you said it's the detox to launch your new diet of learning naturally. I love that. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, And I think that's a great metaphor, right? That's really how we learn. We learn through stories. And um, that's how I would, I would describe de-schooling as kind of breaking out your, your deprogramming your understanding of school. We all pretty much have a basic understanding of traditional school. And so what you need to do to de-school is if your child has been in school, they need to de-school as well. Um, if your child has never been in school, then they're good to go. But you are the, the parent is the person or the people that need to de-school. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of it kind of like, uh, like a hill or an arc. Right. And so you start out de-schooling and you're kind of like even and slow and then you kind of ramp up and then you ramp back down. And after you're done with the process of de-schooling, you're ready to embark in natural learning. Uh, And, you know, whenever you hit a snag in the process, you're going to want to de-school again. So it's not just a one time you're done type of process. We de-school at the beginning of every school year. We also school year round, but it's kind of like this late summer, early fall. We're kind of getting back into a more formal learning because we're more like unschoolers in the summer. That's how I would define it. It's a 
total detox, if you think about it, you need in a diet, you just need to kind of like cleanse your body, you need to give it a rest. You need to kind of reset your palate so that when you're done with your detox, then you can put the good things back in because you've eliminated the things that maybe even aren't that bad, but they're distracting from the good stuff. You know, you can't say yes to everything. So that's kind of the de-schooling process. It's breaking out of society's paradigm and kind of reclaiming what learning actually is. Okay. Now, I used to always think that it was only for unschoolers when I first started because of the the name de-schooling. I was like, oh, that must just be for unschoolers. And then I that was also because I was kind of naive and didn't understand unschooling, but that's not the case. <laughs> no. No, and I know I think if you were going to just take your child out of school and then just do school at home like you and I did, mm-hmm. you're naturally going to de-school in that process. And that's what I did when I was de-schooling. I didn't know there was a term for it. I was yeah. just like, this is not working. We stopped everything and I, we had to take a break because <laughs> we were all burned out. <laughs> and it's kind of like this stumbling process that, you know, it was it was unelegant. It wasn't targeted or directed in any way, because I didn't know that there was a thing such as de-schooling. So we kind of did it the hard way. And that's how I live my life. But this is like the streamlined way. It's a process. There's steps to it. You know, it's something that you go through together as a family. And it's like, it's a family thing to do together. And the purpose of it is to reconnect as a family, because if your current school situation is working for you, then you're good to go. Why are you even listening to me and you talk about it? Right. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because it's piqued your interest, probably because you've got some stress in your life, stress in your relationships, and you're trying to solve for that. And what mm-hmm. you need to do to solve for that stress is to de-school. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that when you de-school that you can't go back to some sort of structured learning if that's what you enjoy, right? It could just be to kind of detach from what you knew. And then, like you said, start fresh and build up something with your family and what works best for your family. Right. And we do very structured school in different seasons. And then when it stops working for us, we kind of de-school or sometimes we're, we're getting more nuanced where we don't necessarily, I just know that, okay, we've had enough of formal learning. So we'll switch and we'll go into a different style of learning. Um, and I know that probably sounds complicated. We can break it down in a minute, but it's simple. It's just like the whole purpose of de-schooling is you unplug, you break it down, you observe your child so that when struggles come and they're going to come and, and disconnects happen, you're going to be more equipped and you're going to be more experienced in how to reset the wagon before it tumbles down the hill. Right. All right. So what, how would you best describe like what it might look like with de-schooling? Okay. So again, it's kind of that arc that we're talking about. So if you think of that arc, so it starts out kind of level for the listeners and you go up kind of like a hill and then you come back down. It has five steps in de-schooling. And the five steps are number one or five pillars maybe is that's what I talk about in my course, five steps. The first one's relational. That's the number one reason you're de-schooling and that's your first step. So you're going to recognize that and you're going to take everything off of your calendar that you possibly can. And this is, uh, that doesn't involve your entire family or you and the kids, you know, spouses may be out of the house or whatnot, but the things that you choose to do together are together. So if you have like activities that you do everyone great, but if it's just for one kid and you've got to drive that kid around and then you've got to drive the other kid around and then you've got to drive yourself, all this stuff is eating up time. And that's fine for later after you've reevaluated your priorities. But for this season of de-schooling, you just quit it. You just cancel all the drainers because ballet is wonderful for Susie, but it's a drainer for the rest of the family. So you cancel mm-hmm. those drainers so that you can really connect. It's not vacation. It's just spending intentional time. Like think of it like a marriage retreat or a family retreat that you're mm-hmm. DIYing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the number one thing is relational. The second thing you want to do is uh, the second pillar is time. So kind of ramping up this. So you've gotten the relational, you've reconnected with your kids because you're not doing anything other than enjoying time together as a family, like lots of board games, just things together. It doesn't need to be stressful. And so you've reconnected as a family, then you're going into time. And that's when you're really kind of re-evaluating all the things you've dropped. Hmm, this is kind of like nice. Do I want right. to actually add this back? And then, and I can't answer that for anyone. That's for everyone to do that work themselves. But to kind of go into this period of de-schooling where we've reconnected as a family, we do it. I do a time audit. That's what I do with my um, coaching clients and in my course. Do a time audit. Kind of figure that out after you've de-schooled a little bit, and then you kind of go up to the top of the de-schooling curve. 
and that is going to be space. So you're re-looking at your home as a learning environment. How do I define my space? You do some organizing, you shop your house, kind of define all these spaces so that your children can have autonomy and self-direction mm. after you're done de-schooling. So you're, you're putting in processes and this is all de-schooling. So you're not worrying about like subjects or schooly things, but you're, you're learning because while you're organizing and talking through processes with your kids and getting them kind of streamlined, you're doing them with them. Your children are happy to do stuff with you as long as you're doing it with them if they you ask them to clean the house they're not super excited but if you make turn on some music make it fun they are going to do it with you um and if they wander off they'll come back so that's kind of the, t- the kind of the top of the mountain of de-schooling then you come down the other side and that's movement that's kind of like increasing your movement as a family and understanding that children move kind of like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. you know when i first brought my daughter home i had her sitting in a desk i was like sit still you need to sit still you need to sit still and you no 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 you have to write on the desk no you don't move off all this stuff mm-hmm. so it's kind of incorporating this like okay i'm going to allow the children to be children and they're going to roll around here and move and i'm going to embrace that mm-hmm. um, but that's a little overwhelming if you think about that early on in these <laughs> kind of just hang out as a family and they're rolling around doing whatever, but you bring in some structure back as you come down the backside of that mountain. And movement is something that you start to work with them before you insert uh, more formalized academics. What does this look like? And just like I mentioned earlier, it's a respect thing. I respect my children. That doesn't mean that I've given my authority away, but I'm respecting them as human beings. And I'm just like, hey, do you mind just giving me a minute? And then she respects me back by being like, oh, sorry, you know, and it works out because we've kind of established this movement period on the back end of the de-schooling mountain. And then we kind of even back out with the last pillar and that is rest. And that's prioritizing rest before we kind of go back into our lives out of the de-schooling process and recognizing that every single person needs time each day where they're by themselves and children need to learn that and putting that in your daily rhythm, wherever it fits best, but kind of establishing that that's de-schooling. I love that Kelly. You're right. Like if I had known this before I began, that would be so great. Because I was like you, I was like a hot mess with de-schooling. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that it was a thing either. I was just naturally doing it. But I like the structure of those pillars because it does like kind of help decrease the overwhelm. Like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this first. Like just wipe it all away and focus on this. I love, love on my kids. I'm just going to have time with my kids. We're just going to have fun. Yes. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about all these things on my calendar. Cause that's where your stress comes in, right? It's getting yes. Susie out the door. It's getting Johnny over here and, oh, the baby doesn't want to go. And you know, then they just have an accident. You got to do that diaper thing and they're late you're mad at them. They're mad at you. It's just like, you cancel that so that you have this time of reconnecting that just, you know, leapfrogs, everything else. Leapfrogs, not the best word, but you know, I'm doing the hand motion. <laughs> I went blank yeah. on what you said. That, it, just, um, it, it like vaults it's it like up. It's like a ripple you know? effect. Maybe? Yeah. It accelerates it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening, they're like, I don't see her hand. <laughs> Moving up. It's like, you know, launching you. Yes. It's going to accelerate okay. it. Now I get that. Now I see why the hand. (laughs) (laughs) So is there like an average time period for this or is it just with each family or what? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I normally say less is more. That's pretty much like it should be my slogan for the 90 minute school day. Less (laughs) is more. But for de-schooling, I actually think more is more and it's subjective to what people can actually do. And, and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I can only do this for a week. Great. Then you're going to get to do it for a week. You'll see how it works. You've kind of rushed it a little bit. Probably I would kind of say plan on three weeks. You know, it's kind of, if you think about it, like a habit you need to have like, or a diet, you know, you need to have 21 days to kind of get in this kind of like new mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I understand if you can't sacrifice three weeks, then don't do it, but do what you can do the week. And then come back to it. When you hit a friction point with your family again, do another week. Maybe you'll be de-schooling one week a month. So I think it's kind of like not so much about a specific formulaic time. It's more of like, what can you commit to? What can you do? And then just, again, kind of moving through that process. But I would recommend if people can do it for three weeks, that would be great. And then if you think about it, depending on the time of year, you have natural breaks built in. Like summertime is a great time to de-school. Just de-school all summer. 
or Christmas. We don't, I don't know if you school during Christmas, but we call it Christmas schooling and we kind of drop formal studies and we just like do all the fun Christmas things, but we learn a lot. So we're like reading all the Christmas books, we're baking, we're crafting, we're like helping out our our neighbors. It's fantastic. It gives us that kind of de-schooling essence (laughs) that launches us back into formal learning in January. Right. And then there, because it wasn't like you completely broke away from some of that structure, but it was just enough to get them excited again and like refreshed and re rejuvenated or regenerated to go into, like you said, January, which is why like we like to do, it doesn't, and this is not like a science, but in my mind, if we don't have like trips or life happening that will force us into breaks, I like to say that like every six weeks we take a week off. And I found that that's really helpful for everybody. And it keeps that, that energy level up between the kids and myself. And then on top of that, we have like, we, we can still fit that in as well as like a little longer breaks for the holidays and all that. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's what works for your family, but kind of like deep cleaning, you know, like you do your deep Mm -hmm. cleans or maybe you don't, Uh but anyways, (laughs) In your head, you're like, I'm going to do deep cleaning every season or whatever it is, or fall, I'm going to do a fall cleaning. And then, but you lightly clean, you know, companies coming over. It's amazing how clean you're, you can kind of get your house mm-hmm. right before people come over, but it's yeah. not really clean. It's just yes. kind of fake it until you make it. It's, okay. it's that kind of same idea, like de-school to whatever capacity you can. And if you can do a longer period, it's always going to be of benefit. And de-schooling is also like a process that's lifelong because I, I, I constantly catch myself being like, oh, why am I getting worked up over here? What is, what's at the bottom of this? And oftentimes it's like, oh, I want to do it this way because that's how I, I had it in my childhood mm-hmm. <laughs> break that cycle. Yeah, no, I was about to say that you brought it up a great point, which was, yeah, that it is lifelong. Cause I myself have found the same thing that when I start to get stressed about things, it's almost always because that old mindset is trying to come back in. And I, I have to, like you said, you have to sit and question yourself. And then that's when I know that I need to de-school myself again and look and read again about the things that I believe that they can learn. And it's not what we always knew. It's so hard though. I mean, we've had, we have years programmed into our mind of what education is and it's and society because you're doing this new thing that maybe your community is not you know 100 on board with and they're questioning so they question you and you're like well, i don't know and so you get insecure and then you're like maybe i should be adding this to it or you just get good offerings like i had all of these like schedules of activities this fall and i started getting excited i was like oh i want her to do this i want her to do this i want her to do this oh then she'll love all this oh my gosh this is like her best life i want nice <laughs> for her and then i'm like what are you doing <laughs> stop yourself you crazy lady and de school that yeah, was kind of before we de school i was kind of getting pumped about the year and i think we often do that as moms or dads as parents we get so excited about all this like gifting and knowledge we're about to pass down to these guys. <laughs> we overdo it. Yes. <laughs> Less is more in that regard. <laughs> that is so true. And that's another thing you have to be careful for. I just posted on extracurricular activities because it is so easy to get super excited mm-hmm. and we constantly have to question it. Like, and I said it in the post, like Nathan and I have to make a conscious effort. Anytime something comes up, because I will be the first to be like, oh, let's do it. Let's sign up. It's going to be one more thing that they get to go do this, or I can outsource this or, you know, and it, it is there. Cause there's so many, that's another blessing in homeschooling these days. There's a lot of resources out there, but so many that you have to be careful and make sure that you don't like over schedule. <laughs> Right. And like that, that activity you can do, but maybe like, you don't have to do it all in the fall of this year. Right. Like there's so many great programs in summer and there's different, you know, you can just find something for me, the more experienced we get in homeschooling, the more I realize, like, I just have to be like, I really want to give her this. Mm-hmm. And I can say her because I just have all girls, but like, <laughs> I really want to give her this. And this seems to be fitting the bill, but this requires a commitment of six months. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's another way I could give her this that fits more in line with our family rhythm. That's not going to sacrifice everyone else as we take her, you know, what, what, how can I rethink this? And I think, well, I don't think I know when you're de-schooling, you realign that relational part, your family values. Why are we doing this? What's important to us? And you kind of keep tagging it back to 
the family priorities, the personal priorities, who we are as individuals, because at the end of the day, none of those extracurricular activities are great. But what does your child actually want more? They want more time with you. Mom and dad are their favorite toy. Mom and dad are their favorite person. If they could have more time with mom and dad, that's what they would choose. Mm -hmm. And so that helps me when I get kind of excited that I need to like simmer it down and reflect back on my values, my family values and what we want to achieve here. What is the outcome we're looking for? Just want a happy, kind human. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, again, yes. Knowing your why, knowing your values. It's like a constant, like making sure you focus on that. So just to reiterate real quick, what would you say are the benefits of de-schooling? Like why should somebody consider de-schooling? That stress we were talking about earlier would be my, my number one thing you're solving for the stress. And if you're stressed or anyone in your family is stressed, then you've broken connection and you've got a relational you know, speed bump that you need to kind of like even back out. So that would be my number one reason to de-school. And then that de-schooling like lets you breathe as the homeschooling parent and fall back in love with your children, fall back in love with homeschooling and kind of rethink, okay, well, what? And as I'm watching us work, you kind of start to observe all the natural learning that's happening, all the conversations, all the questions, uh, you know, you happenstance like, across other learning just because you're spending time together, the math that naturally happens, the writing that naturally happens. And then by observing that, you start to be maybe more clued in to what's really going on that you don't have to actually guide or direct. It's just, it's kind of naturally happening. And so you can, it's kind of more of an organic learning that hopefully will come out of de-schooling that will lend you to being more peaceful and your kids to feeling more uh, like they have intrinsic motivation, because that's really what we want. We want our kids to have autonomy, be intrinsically motivated to teach themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So if somebody was like, okay, I want to start de-schooling tomorrow, what would you say is a, a good start? Would it be just starting with that first pillar? So just, you know, unplug and create time for family. So just go through your schedule and anything that you're not doing with everybody, again, spouses are different, but I'm thinking about like the homeschooling parent and the kids Mm -hmm. um, and include the spouse as much as possible. If you can't do it all together, then you just don't do it for this season, whether it's a week, three weeks, if you want to do it longer and you just really connect. And through that, that kind of feeds into the time where you're going to do a time audit because you're going to see how this is like the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned the phrase natural learning, and I think it's safe to say that embracing natural learning is just part of this de-schooling process. So how would you define natural learning and basically like what the philosophy is behind it for somebody that's probably new and like, what is this natural learning thing I keep hearing about? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I would define natural learning as how like you and I are talking and we're learning a lot just from each other because we're, we're in relationship. We're looking at each other. We're speaking to each other. Like I'll talk about something and then you have an idea and we're just like spawning ideas. We're both having revelations as we talk. So, so learning natural learning is actually with another person or with a group of people. And it's kind of the sharing of ideas. And then there's that modeling and mirror neurons, neurons that go off in your brain. So you don't even have to teach your children a lot. They're always watching you. Like what you say doesn't matter to kids as much as what you do, good or bad. And so that's kind of the natural learning process too. And so they're just modeling you and you're modeling them. And, and I think that's where you might know when to de-school because what are your kids reflecting back to you? Are they happy? Are they settled? Are they grooving? great. You you may not need to de-school right now, but if they're mirroring back to you, they're stressed, they're angry, they're irritable, then there was something else going on and you get to the bottom of. So it's like relationship, the modeling, and then um, questions. That gets back to good old Socrates, the Greek philosopher of just asking good questions, like draws out knowledge and kids Mm -hmm. ask questions all the time. So that's natural learning. They're bent to do this. And, and if you think about it before the school age, you know, children have learned an entire language, maybe more than one on their own. No one teaches a baby like grammar, like, okay, now we're going to talk about adverbs. (laughs) (laughs) And depending on the type of language that you surround them with, they pick up their native tongue more grammatically correct, which will help them on later on in life or not. And so that's why it's so important to read. So that's what natural learning is. It's what you do as an adult after you've graduated from whatever school you were going to. You are still learning and you're learning now because you either want to pull in a paycheck or you're curious. And so that curiosity is the other part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always know if our children have interest in something based on how many questions they ask. 
Yeah. And uh, oh, that. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, exactly. And if, if there's not a whole lot of questions happening, then I'm kind of like, okay, maybe we need to find something that's really going to, you know, involve or spark that intrinsic motivation because boy, when you, when you find those areas where you can connect and you, you can finally figure out this is where their love for learning is. You don't have to do much. They, they want to dig and dig and dig for that knowledge and to know more about that area that they love. They're working for mastery and they're, and, and, and you just need to, and that's where de-schooling comes in because in the de-schooling process, you start to notice, like, I have a daughter who is just into building. She will build, 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 build all day long. She just naturally wants to build things and she's in constant imaginative play. It's great. So that's what I, you know, I, I do a lot of um, short fairy tales with her or folk tales or whatnot because that's about where she wants to be right now. And it's not going to stay there. We all are dynamic and we shift, but that's what she's thirsty for right now. Mm -hmm. And just short historical stories, things like that, that I can tie in are great. Yeah, definitely. I always think of, when I think of natural learning, I always just think of how Charlotte Mason described how children are born persons and they're born, born whole people. And that you don't, you don't have to force knowledge on them. It's inside of them. It's, it's just a matter of like helping them, you know, extract it out and, and bringing them things to help ignite that learning that's already inside of them, that flame that's already inside of them. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's kind of like the whole laying of the feast that Charlotte Mason talks mm-hmm. about, like expose them. Like they don't know what they don't know. That's our job as parents is to like yes. expose them to these things. We're their guide. We're not coming at them from a top down approach. Like you and I started out like, sit yeah. down. okay, we're going to do our spelling words here, you know, but it's like noticing where they are and being like, Oh, you know, like my oldest loves the outdoors. And so she has an apprenticeship for two days a week where she's working out at a nursery, you know, it's mentorship, but then she's outdoors as she's in her happy place. Mm-hmm. And she's learning so much at the same time. And then we do school the rest of the week. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you created this method of learning that mm-hmm. I just feel ties perfectly to all of this, of what we're talking about. Can you tell us more about the 90 minute school day method and also how it helps parents support natural learning. So the 90 minute school day method is for you, mom and dad who are listening, <laughs> it's like, cause we're traditionally educated and it helps us better to have kind of more of a curriculum. Like we don't need the, the child is the curriculum, but we need the curriculum. We need a roadmap or we need a recipe. So what the 90 minute school day is, is it's just a recipe from my family to yours. And what it is, is it just has its ingredients and, and kind of the mechanism of the recipe. So if you're making a soup, that's going to look different than if you're making like a casserole. Mm-hmm. So it's just the methodology to get the outcome. Then once you get familiar with the recipe, you can like freestyle and you can add and swap what you have in the pantry and you don't have to go to the store because you're just familiar with the process. So that's what the 90 minute school day is for homeschooling. Again, it's transitioning parents from a traditional school mindset that the parents normally have into homeschooling. And we break it down into six steps. So it is 90 minutes. Now, am I sitting around with like a timer and then it buzzes and we're like, okay, it's time to change classes. No, it's not like that. Um, But it's helpful to kind of ballpark it because I don't know how you were before you started your own de-schooling, but I was just finding myself going down rabbit holes and sitting there and she's like totally checked out because (laughs) I'm having a good time. (laughs) And so short is helpful because children have the attention span of their age plus one minute. So if you've got a seven-year-old, then they've got an eight minute attention span. Mm -hmm. If you've got a 13 year old, she's got a 14 minute attention span. I won't reveal my age, but my attention span is much longer. (laughs) And so we forget that as parents, like they have a short attention span and they don't need to have everything this year. They're not going to Princeton or Harvard tomorrow. (laughs) It will aggregate over time. And so that's kind of the, the thought behind it. So the 90 minutes is broken into six parts and out of that six parts, you can split them in half. So there's three over here and there's three over here. And the three parts that you kind of uh, are the larger parts are the content pathways. And I've named the parts of the 90 minutes after what goes on neurologically. Like I'm kind of like this geeky person who loves studying neurobiology and how our brains work. So on one side is these content pathways. And those are kind of the subjects that aggregate over time that accumulate like history, science, geography, language, um, that kind of thing. It just stacks over time. And we just absorb more and more of it as we age and are exposed to new ideas. 
And then the other half of the six pathways are the skill-based pathways. And those are the skills you need to continue accumulating knowledge. You cannot accumulate more geography or history if you don't know how to read for yourself, then you're dependent on someone else. So these skill-based pathways facilitate learning. So it's your old reading, writing, and arithmetic. And so we think about them in those two categories. The content pathways are 20 minutes each because it's content going to take a little bit longer and you're constantly being distracted so it's more like you're putting out 12 minutes of content and like eight minutes of interaction. that's so accurate <laughs> yeah I mean and then some days you're just like oh my gosh I maximize every minute of like this whole section <laughs> and then it's not to be done consecutively because kids need breaks and that's kind of where I kind of go into natural rhythms like homeschoolers should have a rhythm we all have rhythms and it's about synchronizing them together so we have circadian rhythms, we have ultradian rhythms, and we have infradian rhythms. And that's what this method is based on. So I'll get into that in a minute. But back to like our six pathways, we have our content pathways and our skill-based pathways. Skill-based should be 10 minutes each. You your child should only do independent reading for 10 minutes. Now, if they want to read their book longer than that, knock yourself out, kid. But just require 10 minutes. And obviously, you've got a younger student, a pre-reader or an early reader, they're, they're not ready for 10 minutes. Just ask them to read what they can. And when they get tired, you finish reading like the 10 minutes and, mm -hmm. and have them together. They can take turns. You can do it different ways. But the 90 minutes is for the parents' involvement. Like you should not be spending more than 90 minutes as an adult schooling your children, no matter how many children you have. And that's kind of the beauty of this method. It helps the parent know where their boundaries are and how to operate within this. Mm -hmm. And they're still being a good parent and this will work and your child will be educated. So 10 minutes each for reading, writing, and arithmetic. And then the content pathways are morning time, which I don't know how you are, but like, I like really liked the idea of morning time, but I can never actually get like a really good handle on it. It's like, yeah, no, I, know. I was like, That's me. I want to do it so bad, but I just feel like I'm always doing it wrong because no one's going to lay it out for me. Yes. <laughs> so I decided, well, I'll just lay it out for myself and I'll just promote that. So I have, there's morning time is for 20 minutes and then there's read aloud time, which you just read something out loud for yep. 20 minutes, mm -hmm. or as many minutes as you can inside that 20 minutes. And again, like it's an ebb and flow type of thing. The first time you use this, you might want to set a timer just like you would check a recipe back and forth. Like, did they say a teaspoon or a tablespoon? Oh, I better go back and check. Mm -hmm. do, do what works for you. And then that third um, content pathway is um, the activity pathway. And this is just to help parents be intentional about connecting with their kid in something that is move, movement oriented, whether you're taking a walk, whether you're playing a board game, you pick up a game of basketball, uh, maybe you tie it into what you're studying, you're doing a cultural study. So maybe you want to cook that meal, pick a simplified recipe for that 20, 20 minutes, or maybe you're doing a craft. You can tie it to what you're learning in other parts of the 90 minutes, or you just do something with your kid so that you're feeding their love tank. And that is kind of the secret sauce right there in morning. Well, it's all the secret sauce. So that is the 90 minute school day. And the reason that it is broken into kind of these sections is like we talked about earlier, attention span, but it's also, they, um, you have your circadian rhythm. Everyone's familiar with that. That's your sleep wake cycle. We want to make sure we're getting enough sleep and parents have trouble with that, but we can do that for our kids, right? And try to do better for ourselves. <laughs> but you have your circadian rhythm, but really where this method drills down to is an infradian rhythm and the ultradian rhythm. So what those are is your infradian rhythm is larger than uh, a day. So it's like think seasons and, you know, tides, lunar cycles, and then ultradian rhythms are inside of a day. And those, interestingly enough, are in 80 to 120 minutes of activity we naturally go through just biologically. Mm. And then we go through a 20 minute rest. And then we go back up to 80 to 120 minutes of activity and then a 20 minute rest all day long when we're awake inside of our circadian. And then at night when we're asleep or we should be asleep, our bodies put us in when we're sleeping, uh, 180 to 120 minutes of rest and then a 20 minute cycle of REM. And so our bodies are doing this anyways. And you'll notice it like you're trying to get work done. <laughs> and, you know, that's when you should just be like, don't force it. Just go lay down do something that gives life to you. Just set a timer, 20 minutes, take a little nap and then get back. You're going to be so much more productive. This is just basic time management. I love this. Actually, yeah. I'm learning yeah. a lot from this. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. So, so that's what this method is all about. It's optimizing these. It's just working with your body. It's working with what's happening around you and just making it work better for you. 
that's where the 90 minutes comes from because it's that 80 to 120 minutes. But again, do not do this consecutively. Pick your morning time, your 20 minutes, and then later in your day. And if you are a working parent, you're a single parent, you can do this style of home education and probably the amount of time that you've taken your child to school and got them back and gotten them to like focus because they're, they're worn out. Mm -hmm. You can do school at home. And this process of de-schooling helps your child keep themselves busy. It is not our job to entertain our children or to direct all their time. And our culture seems to be telling that that's what you have to do. You have to keep your kids busy. Mm. No, kids will keep themselves busy. Once you de-school and you break up that mommy, I don't know what to do. Mommy, mommy, mommy. And then we inadvertently give them something that's not as optimum as something else that they would find on their own. And it Mm -hmm. takes about Angela Hanscom and her book, uh, Balanced and Barefoot talks about um, a 40 minute period of time for kids to enter a play flow. So just like stay strong, mom, you know, (laughs) or dad, you're going to enter that play flow. You just be like, oh my gosh, what you're experiencing right now is boredom. You're willing, you're more than welcome to help me. I'm cooking dinner or I'm cleaning the dishes, or you can find something else to do. I'm sure that you will, you can give them some ideas, but like, <laughs> don't get there. So anyways, I'm getting myself off topic on my No, I, I, we <laughs> interviewed Dr. Peter Gray and he said the same thing. Like there were times where there would be a group of kids and it took them that magic, like 40 minutes to finally figure out their free play, whatever it was that they were creating was finally like reaching their point of like, okay, we've got this figured out. And then that's when the parents are like done. And they're like, no, 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 we just got started. And they're like, what? Just got started in 40 minutes. I know. And that's why we want our kids at home because they can accomplish so much once they're in play flow, like you're done. Like it could be hours. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Especially if they're outside. So what inspired you to create this platform, this method? I needed it. I was looking and I've tried like a lot of things in homeschooling. I've bought like lots of different curriculums. I've been to lots of seminars and conferences and read books, podcasts, interviewing people, you name it, I've done it. And nothing was working for us. And then I just decided I'm just going to have to do it myself. (laughs) And I just started like figuring out what we're going to learn, how we're going to learn it. And this just started becoming apparent to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can systemize this. I'm big on systems. I can systemize this. And it started working for my family. And I started sharing it with other families and it was working for them. And then I was like, this is something that I think is valuable to others because I had to create what I needed for my family. And it, and like I said, it's that recipe, it's that system and that framework that you can freestyle it. Your 90 minutes is always going to look different than mine. I'm a different person. You're a different person. Your kids are different people, but it's kind of this kind of, it's a framework. It's for you to kind of color within the lines um, and go out of the lines and then you can ditch it and do something else. Like you don't have to be married to it. Right. I think it's such a great way to start, mm-hmm. or even if you're at a part of your journey where, where you're burnt out, de-schooled, you're right. We're going to do that first. And yeah. then this would be another great uh, piece in, in that stage of life as well, because I love it. I love how you have set the framework because if there's people like you and I, cause I think that you and I are very similar in our thinking, I still need some structure. So even if like, when I do my planning, I will still have like kind of my template that has our rhythms for the week, but I have to have that like typed up to look at as like my home base, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, like you get some sort of structure with your method. It's not overwhelming, which I love. You're hitting all those major points. You're, you're, you're hitting what's natural to children. And then, like you said, you're not married to it. So if you want to tweak it or eventually then you've really figured out your own and you go from there. It's, I just think it's such a great starting point. That's why I love that you've created it and that we were able to have you on and share on this today. It's great. Oh, one thing I wanted to say, like ideas on ideas here is it can also work. Like you were talking with your daughter, right? Like if you're, if you're an unschooler, but you've got that one kid that's like fighting against unschooling (laughs) and wanting structure, like you can do something like this. You can continue to unschool and you just are like, okay, well, here's your little buckets that you have today because they're unschooling the rest of the day. But if they want to have like something schooly Mm -hmm. or or whatever they're looking for, it's a structure for them as well. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, that, that's right. Exactly. I can see this being like a beautiful mix of like somewhat structured, but you can, you can be like unschooly with it. If you're on that end of the learning spectrum and it works both, like, I feel like you could really help your style, like fit into that. So along with your platform, are there any like books or resources that you found helpful 
or that you would recommend that um, will help shift parents' mindset on what education truly is? Yeah. First of all, I can't say enough. We've mentioned several of these already about John Holt, mm-hmm. about he's the father of the unschooling movement, um, Charlotte Mason and Maria Montessori. Like there's uh, every uh, homeschool educational model is great, but those three I think are fantastic. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I drew the 90 minute school day from. So any of their materials, any of their books, any of the conferences or people who are continuing their work because, um, you know, these are, these philosophers have kind of gone before us. Um, I highly recommend, uh, and specifically, um, well, I wrote them down just because I might, I might have a brain fart while I'm on the spot here, but, um, so for John Holt, teach your own or learning all the time mm-hmm. for Montessori, there's Montessori, a modern approach, which was not written by Dr. Montessori. It was written by Paula Lillard and that one's on audible, or you can buy the book. And then there's secret of childhood, which was written by Maria Montessori. So those books I think are excellent. And then for Charlotte Mason, we have the kind of quintessential homeschooling book, which is for the children's sake. And that is written by um, Susan Schaefer. That's a really great book for Charlotte to kind of unpack Charlotte Mason because she has so much material. She does. <laughs> well, really fast. So yes. I would just direct you there. And then as far as like other organizations that have kind of contributed to me and kind of my path, I would kind of cite Wild and Free. Ainsley Arment has done a great job with that organization. And that's how you can build community in your local area. A thousand hours outside, I think is amazing. It's such a great challenge and they have so many good learning resources there. I love podcasts like yours, Honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. You guys do such a great job of like just really giving a lot of diversity in the homeschooling area. Like you're talking about Peter Gray so that people can learn. And then when they hear something that resonates with them, they know where to go. Right. So I think that's so valuable, like podcasts um, on homeschooling. Well, before I go to the final questions, I did want to ask if you could briefly, I know it's hard, maybe like the, if you could get one answer on, <laughs> on how home education has benefited your family the most. I can imagine we all have these great big lists, but maybe for you, is there one that like, really like, yeah, this, this is like been the best thing for us. Time and connection, just time with my children and connecting with them. Okay, great. Yes. I always like to hear, especially if somebody is like embarking on this journey from the beginning, just, I, I love them to hear from other families who are in it or who have done it what has benefited them the most so that they can see that this really is a beautiful and worthy journey. All right. So if you could hand a book to every new person that you met, what book would it be? I'm a person of faith. So I would say the Bible, but in lieu of that, I really, and this is a faith-based book too, was own your life by Sally Clarkson. I just think Mm -hmm. that that book really just talks about boundaries. And I think that that's at the root of just good human living, understanding good boundaries for yourself and for others. Um, so anytime you have a book on boundaries, I think it's fantastic or the book boundaries. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to, I'll have to look that one up because I do know that Sally Clarkson, I like her work. All right. And then if you knew you could only leave one last piece of wisdom for your children, what would it be? People over things always people over things. I love that Kelly. So simple and so true. (laughs) So where can people find you, your, your work? Um, and then if they're interested in your method, all of that. Okay. Um, the best place to kind of get a hold of me is Instagram. Um, I'm at 90, the number 90 minute school day on Instagram. And then my website is www.90minuteschoolday.com. And I also host rooms on Clubhouse, which is an audio app. Um, and they don't have give me enough characters. So I'm 90minschoolday.com. And all of those is the number 90. It's not spelled out. Okay. And then your Clubhouse, aren't there certain themes that are like typical in the weekly? Like, yes. don't you do an adoption one? Is that I do one an of adoption them? room? Yes. If, if anyone's listening is interested in foster care or adoption, I do a room on Saturday, um, which is at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then I have a, I host a room on Mondays. I co-host a room. Both of those are co-hosted on Mondays. And that is making homeschooling simple. And we break down different topics on how we can simplify homeschooling on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Okay, great. Awesome. So thank you so much, Kelly. This was such a wonderful, helpful conversation today, and I cannot wait to release it. And I, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you better. I, it's just so nice to see you now air quote, face to face. 
<laughs> I'm moving. It's not yes. just a static image. Same to you, I know. <laughs> so thank you for joining us and, and giving us your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. We want to thank Kelly for joining us today. Her mindset on education and family lifestyle align with our values as well. And we know that her 90-minute school day will be a wonderful resource for many parents. We also want to thank all of you for joining us around the campfire today, as well as those of you who continue to join us each and every week faithfully. We love it. We appreciate it. If you have been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to follow us on your podcast app and write a review. This is going to help other families find us in the big abyss of podcasts that are out there. And our hopes through more families finding us is that we can encourage and inspire more of them as well. We would also love to connect with you on social media, such as Facebook or Instagram, or even just send us an email and say hi. Uh, Let us know how we're helping you or how we can help you. We hope you guys have an amazing week. And as always, let's light a fire they can't put out.